Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a story I've shared a couple of times over the years. I think it's been a long while since I've shared it, though. It's an old um, business fable, as far as I remember. It's the story about a businessman. Uh, he, was, he was on vacation in this small village on the ocean. And he was standing on a pier, and a small fishing boat came up to the pier. And inside the fishing boat was just one fisherman. He docked, and inside were several large yellowfin tuna. They were beautiful fish, and so the businessman, he complimented the fisherman and asked him, how long did it take for you to catch these fish? He said, only a little while. And so the businessman asked him, well, why didn't you stay out longer to catch more fish? And he said, well, because I caught enough to take care of my family's immediate needs. The businessman asked then, well, then what do you do with the rest of your time? Day's still young, and... The fisherman said, well, I, I sleep late, I fish a little, I play with my children, I take a nap with my wife, I stroll into the village every evening where I sip wine and I play guitar with my friends. I have a full and busy life. Well, the businessman kind of scoffed at the fisherman. He said, you know, I have an MBA. <laughs> I could help you. Here's what you should do. You get back out on that boat and you do some more fishing. You catch as many fish as you can, and with the proceeds, you can buy a bigger boat. And then you'll catch more fish, and eventually you can buy a whole fleet of boats, and instead of selling that catch to the middleman, you should sell it directly to the processor, and eventually, of course, open up your own cannery so that you can control the product, the processing, and the distribution. Now, at that point, of course, you're going to have to leave this small coastal fishing village you have to go to the city so that you can run this expanding enterprise. The fisherman was kind of confused, but intrigued. And he looks at the businessman and he says, sir, how long is this all going to take? And the businessman said, well, about 15, 20 years probably. Well, but then what? And he said, well, that's the best part. When the time is right, you're going to announce what they call an IPO. You're going to sell stock to the public in your company, and you're going to become rich. Millions of dollars. Now the fisherman's kind of excited. He says, millions? Well, then what do I get to do? And the businessman said, well, that's the best part. You'll get to retire and move out of the city to a small coastal fishing village where you sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a nap with your wife, stroll into the village in the evenings where you sip wine and play guitar with your friends. <laughs> you get the point. I like that story. I like it because it makes you ponder, doesn't it? 
it makes you wonder a couple of questions, one of which that I want to dive into today, and that is, where do I find rest? How do I find rest? And, and I think it's a good question to ask as we are approaching the end of the summer, as our world continues to be up in the air in so many ways and places and fires and foreign affairs and pandemic, where in the midst of all of this do we find rest? And part of the question's answer is found in gentleness. Gentleness, which is the second to last aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that we have been studying all summer long found in Galatians chapter 5. Now, I know that you all have it memorized by now, but let's just do it together anyway. Um, I've encouraged you to memorize these as we've gone through them throughout the summer. Let's say them together out loud. This is according to the Apostle Paul. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's fruit. And that's the fruit that's available to you and to me by the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, growing slowly but surely and producing these things in our relationship with God and in our relationship with one another. Now, we started this whole series because we see how clearly our world desperately needs all of this fruit more and we know that as God's messengers we are called to bring that fruit wherever we go um, but that is maybe <laughs> certainly true in ways that maybe it is even more so than in some of the other aspects as we look at what fruit we're focused on today and that is gentleness it's so true about gentleness we need more gentleness in the world today. And, and, and you may be wondering why I say that, because it's not as flashy as joy, right? Gentleness doesn't sound as fun as joy. It doesn't sound as significant as other aspects like love or peace. It doesn't sound as practical as kindness. But remember what we've said almost every week, that all of these aspects work together. And so I think maybe it's kind of like this. Think, think about it as gentleness is something that makes the rest of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all that stuff, possible. Gentleness makes it all possible. And I think, think about this, this is on the front of my mind when I think about my wife, Alyssa, and our soon-to-be son who's going to be coming into the world. Most of you are, are, are smiling. Some of you didn't know it was a boy. I can see that by your faces, maybe online as well. Yes, it's a boy. And if you're here for the first time, this isn't the way I'm announcing it to the world. Um, but my wife is, is pregnant with our fifth child. It's a boy, and she's due toward the end of September. And so um, you're going to hear a lot of sermon illustrations for the next five weeks about babies, because that's kind of what's going on in, in my brain. And, and not just mine, but our entire family is getting really excited, especially our kids. Um, our oldest son, Jake, is 12. Our youngest son, Carlos, just turned three. And so I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about this baby, and I was thinking about how excited all of us are, and I was thinking about there's something that I'm probably going to have to say to Carlos a lot that I'm not going to have to say to Jacob so much. And you know what that is? One word, gentle. <laughs> or maybe two words, you have to be 
gentle. See, Carlos is just as excited as everybody else, and yet he doesn't quite know what the rest of us have learned, and that is that babies are delicate, and in order to share with them our love and excitement, we have to be gentle. The same is true with fruit, a a peach or or, or a banana or a strawberry. It it has to be handled with care so that it isn't bruised, so that it can produce the wonderful flavors that it's made to be enjoyed with. And in a similar way, what we're going to see here in our reading from the Gospel of Matthew is that gentleness is connected to rest. And so if we go back to verse, um, verses 28 through 30 in Matthew 11, Jesus offers us rest, but let's read it again and show how he offers it. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, say it with me, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just to make sure I'm not preaching just to myself, who here needs rest right now? Okay, most of you are raising your hand. I'm sure all of you online are. Jesus says, like, just listen, the things that you need are freely given by God. And he offers that here. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, you will find rest in him. Why? Because he is gentle and humble and hard. Because Jesus is gentle. You will find soul level rest when you find your rest in him. Augustine said this generations ago. Your soul will not find rest until it finds its rest in God. And the first thing we learn today about rest is that rest is not something we do, it's something we're given. Rest is not something we do, it's something that we're given. Again, Jesus says in verse 28, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's not about what you do, it's about what you receive, it's about where it comes from, and yet that also doesn't mean that we don't do anything. Instead, it changes how we do things. And and that brings us back to the fruit of the Spirit, right? That's what gentleness is. You don't go and do gentleness. Gentle is how you do something, right? It's how you do anything, right? You can do anything with gentleness. It's a concept that changes how we live our lives. We see the world in a different way. Our priorities change change. Going back to the story at the beginning, we might become a little bit less like the businessman and more like the fisherman. And to get to that, we got to go back a chapter. If if you're looking at your Bible, this is why it's so important to have your Bible open as we're going through it together, because um, really to understand chapter 11, you got to go back to chapter 10. And so if you go back to the beginning of chapter 10, you'll see that, that Jesus is sending out the 12 disciples. And he's sending them out on a missionary journey to to drive out demons and heal people. You know, the same thing you do every Monday, right? (laughs) Maybe a little different than what we're used to. Um, and, And it's interesting, not just because of what he sends them to do, but also that he sends them without anything. He doesn't send them with holy water. He doesn't send them with a Bible. He doesn't send them with anything. They walk away with 
nothing. And it's in the context of this that you hear a lot of passages that you've probably heard before. Lots of times they come out of context, right? Like you've probably heard, freely you've been given, freely give, right? Have you heard that before? That's verse 8. He tells them not to pack any money for their trip or an extra set of clothes. He, he says the worker is worth his keep. You've heard that concept before. He says if they do work, someone will take care of them. That's why they don't have to, to bring anything because they're going to earn their keep as they go. Uh, he tells them that wherever they're welcome, stay. But where they're not welcome, kick the dust off their feet as a judgment to the people that they're leaving behind. Um, he says that they will be like sheep among wolves. Like you've heard all of these verses before at different points, right? He says that, that if they get dragged into the front of authorities, thrown in jail, and just like they're not supposed to pack a lunch or an extra set of clothes, uh, don't even worry about what it is you're going to say if you get confronted. For verse 20 says, it won't be you speaking, but the spirit of your father will give you the words. He says that the message that you come to bring will, will make you hated by some. It will even break apart families, but don't be afraid because the truth will be revealed in the end. He says, don't lose heart. And then he explains why he's sending them out on this journey, why he's sending them out to do all these things and to learn that God is going to provide for them. Verse 28 of chapter 10, he says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid, for you are worth more than many sparrows. Sparrows are fragile aren't they? Sparrows are fragile, and in Jesus' day, they're only worth a penny, and yet God sustains their life. Why? Well, because God is gentle. God is gentle. Not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Not even a bird falls to the ground and dies until God has decided that its short life is finished. And Jesus says, do you not already know that you are worth so much more than many sparrows? That God cares so much more for you. Do you not know how gentle God is with you and me? And, and after this, among other things, he says in verse 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And that, too, brings us back to the story of the businessman and the fisherman, right? And there's nothing wrong with being a businessman. Let me just say that, okay? I have my undergrads in business. There's lots of good things and ways to glorify God in every aspect of the way in which we live. But the way in which the fisherman lived, he, he was giving something up in the way that he lived his life, wasn't he? He was giving up millions. He was giving up things in the world so that he could have the little things in the moment he was living in right now. And Jesus teaches the disciples to do a similar thing. Not to store up too much, not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, but walk into the world knowing that God is going to provide what they need tomorrow. 
And we might just dismiss that whole thing if we read that chapter and we think to ourselves, well, Jesus doesn't call me out to cast out demons and heal people, and so none of this appeals to me. And yet what I think about when I look at this is that Jesus isn't just teaching them practical steps to perform an exorcism. Actually, that's not what this is about at all. It's not even a lesson on divine healing. He's teaching them about life. And specifically, he's teaching them that the things that they need most in their life, whether you're out healing or you need food, things like rest are not things you can pack in a bag. They're not things that you can buy with money. They're not things that you can protect yourself with words or with weapons. They're things that are given to us as gifts, and they come from our Father in heaven. And so when Jesus sends these disciples out on this temporary journey, it is about so much more than healing. It's about sending them away with nothing and stripping them away from what they think they need so that they will begin to experience the reality that God is ready to give them everything they really need. And that brings us right back to what we've been talking about since the beginning of this series. That's the fruit of the Spirit, right? That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's a reminder that, that when you look, this is why I want you to memorize this verse. Not that you feel holier than people that don't have it memorized. It's because how many of us at any point in our lives need more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, I don't know of a time in my whole life that I haven't needed at least three or four of those things in greater quantities. And so if you have that memorized, it's a reminder to you and me that those are things you can't buy. Those are things you can't produce. Those are things you cannot push yourself into. They are things that only come from God. And Jesus is teaching that lesson to the disciples by preparing them, by stripping them away from what they are leaning on to see that God will give them what they need. Because maybe when you have nothing, that's when you learn to lean on God for everything. Let me say that again. When you have nothing... That's when you learn to lean on God for everything. I mean, just think about this. Isn't that how an infant first learns? I told you, there's going to be a lot of baby illustrations the next couple weeks. But isn't that how an infant learns to bond with the people around them? We're born into the world with nothing, right? Nothing. We are wholly dependent on the people around us for everything. And that dependence does a beautiful thing by creating a bond. It creates a bond. And here's the truth. The same concept is true in our relationship with God. And, and I don't know about you, but I personally don't typically look for God's provision in my life until the things around me that I have been trusting are failing. The less money I have in the bank, the harder I have to pray for God to provide for my family. The more health issues that are going on in my life, or, or for us, look at the world around us, right? The more I have to ask God to protect me and protect my loved ones and help us all to get through another day. And I need to pause here and say, too, though, that I think a common misconception in a sermon like this and in reading these words can often be that, that because God provides for us that we don't have to do anything, that the posture of a Christian is to sit down on a lawn chair and just open up your hands, that couldn't be further from the truth. Think about a sparrow. 
God takes care of a sparrow. Does that mean a sparrow just sits in its nest and opens up its beak and lets worms drop from the sky or whatever they eat? I don't know what they eat. If there's any bird people, they eat bugs. I don't know. Is that what a sparrow does? No. Actually, a sparrow doesn't even take a day off. Sparrows wake up every single day and go to work. They work their entire lives. There's actually only one thing a sparrow doesn't do that you do. There's one thing a sparrow doesn't do that I do. A sparrow doesn't worry. Sparrows don't worry. They might get scared if you startle them, but they don't fly away and then start looking around the corner. They don't worry. And when it comes down to it, just think about it. If you list all the things in your life that are robbing you from rest, how often is it actually not a thing or a task on your to-do list? How often is it that you worry? How often is it what's going on inside of your own head? I know for me, that's, that's so often the case. It's, it's not always how busy my schedule is. That's not what robs me of rest. It's, it's what I'm worried about while I'm going through my schedule. And then I think as a pastor, like I know so, many of you, right? right? I know so many people who are retired, who don't have to, to go and, and fish anymore, or be a businessman, or whatever it is that you used to do every day, and yet you still worry. And I've also met people that, that have millions of dollars to their name And they work harder and longer hours than so many other people because they're worried. They don't experience rest. And that's why Jesus teaches these disciples this lesson, by sending them temporarily away with nothing so that God could provide them with everything. But here's the thing, and this is where we're going. It's not just the story that happened to disciples 2,000 years ago. Jesus invites you and me into the same thing. And that's what Matthew 11 is getting to. Look again at verse 25. This is the verse we read at the beginning. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, like the businessman, and you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Little children are like sparrows, right? They haven't lived long enough yet to to worry. It's the educated. It's the experienced. We've learned of all the things in the world to be afraid of and to worry about. And yet Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Everything comes from God the Father, and we can see that the Father, if we come to Jesus... And Jesus invites us to come to see the Father because Jesus invites us to come to him. Look at 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The next slide is a picture of a yoke. If you don't know what a yoke is, it's, it's something that animals 
can put their heads into animals so that they can pull or carry something that neither animal by itself could pull on its own. Friends, this is what Jesus invites you and I into. He says, don't worry, but he also says, don't sit on your hands either. Like a sparrow, walk step by step, day by day. And if you're tired and weary... And I'm tired and weary. I can tell you that right now. Ask yourself, at what point in my mind and in my life am I worrying and trying to carry a burden on my own that I cannot do? Or worse, have I yoked myself to the wrong thing? Something I thought was going to lift the burden for me, but it ended up just weighing me down, jerking me around. Do you see the connection here? Jesus says, you can yoke yourself to me because I'm gentle and humble. If you're going to put your head into that device with anyone or anything, you don't want it to be something that's going to run ahead of you. You don't want it to be something that's going to stop and sit down. You need it to be a force that is stronger than yourself, but gentle enough to walk alongside you. Jesus says, that's me. Come to me. And so let's come to him. Let's come to him in prayer. Would you join me right now as we pray? Lord God, we read in Ezekiel chapter 34, the trees will yield their fruit. The ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslaved them. Lord, as we come before you, would you break us away from what drags us down. We all raise our hands when asked the question, who here needs rest? Help us to be reminded that rest comes from you no matter what we find ourselves in the midst of. And so as we come before you, the source of rest, would you break us away from whatever we've turned to instead and put your own self, your presence in that place to lift us up? Would you, Jesus, yoke yourself to us? as we yoke ourselves to you. But God, help it not to be just for ourselves, but help us to have the strength that we might walk out these doors of our homes and our churches, that we might walk out the doors with the fruit of the Spirit in us so that we can walk into a weary world and weary family members and weary co-workers and weary friends and we might come alongside them the way, Jesus, you come alongside us, gently yoking ourselves to others as we carry one another's burdens together and draw them closer to you as you have drawn yourself closer to us. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. 
Jesus, this is the invitation. This is how you invite us to come before you. And it's one of the many reasons that I, I love in our tradition that we, we barely go a Sunday without receiving this meal. And here's why. Because it doesn't matter what you're going through. That invitation for rest is available to you and to me right now. Because God is available. Because his presence is available. Because Jesus is near. And if you believe that to be true, no matter what your background, no matter who you are, where you've been, or where you're going, I want to encourage you now as we come before this table to be reminded of what Jesus did with the 12 disciples that he had sent out who were taken care of. They came back. Lots was done. And it was on the night that Jesus himself would be betrayed that with them in that upper room, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this, remember me. After the supper, Jesus took the cup of blessing, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink and said, take and drink this cup. It's the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, Remember me. For as often as we eat this bread and as often as we drink from this cup, as we say each and every week, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. That's the power. The power of death and resurrected life that is available to you and me by the presence of the Holy Spirit that is gentle, living inside of you and me and all who believe and call upon the name of Jesus. And the invitation is come to me, all who are weary. And so what I want to encourage you to do right now, if you believe those words to be true, as we prepare to receive this meal, I want to encourage you to do the same thing I do almost every morning. I did it this morning as I was coming before God in my private time of prayer. Open up your hands. It's a sign of surrender. And if you walked in the doors with something that's particularly stressful and providing weariness to your tired heart and mind, maybe squeeze your hand for just a minute and then let go and allow God to take that away as you take upon his presence and we pray the way that Jesus has taught us to pray, pray. Join together as we pray and as we pray, let's do so now in song. Thy kingdom 
at this time, if you're here in person, take out what you received. If you're at home, take out what you have. Take and eat the bread, the body of Christ broken for you. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you. may the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you, keep you in his grace as we stand and we sing one final song of praise.